Well, if you weren't here last week, uh, we are right at the very beginning of a series called Better Thoughts. Now, let me tell you what I think is fascinating about the idea behind this series. See, at, at some point in your life and some point in my life, all of us have had someone tell us, you need to make a different or better decision. Somebody in authority, somebody that cared about us said, hey, look, you need to make a better decision. Like, for instance, your mom or your dad said, hey, son, daughter, you need to shape up. You need to do this or you need to stop doing that. You need to get off your butt and do whatever. You need to make a different decision or a better decision. Or maybe you've had a boss come to you and say, hey, look, we can't keep doing things the way we're currently doing them. You have to make a better decision here. You have to step up here. You have to do this differently. All of us have been told to make better decisions. But I'll bet you can't tell me the last time someone said to you, you need to think better thoughts. See, that's not something that we ever hear people say. And what's interesting and what we learned last week is this. Every decision that you've ever made and every decision that I've ever made came as a result of the thoughts that I think or the beliefs that I hold. See, whenever you and I, we become unhappy with the way life turns out, with the outcomes in our lives, here's what most of us do. We just say to ourselves, well, I'll just go out and make a different decision and that'll fix, and that'll fix it, and I'll get a different outcome. And so what do we do? We go out, and I get myself a, a different job, or I move to a different town, or I change to a different school, or I get myself a different partner. I, I do a different financial decision. And then what happens is we, we wind up coming back to the same outcomes, and things wind up turning out just like they did in the very beginning. And when you get to the same outcome, a lot of us sit back and we wonder, what happened? Why is my, same, my, my second relationship ending the way the first one did? Or why is it that I hate this job just like I hated the last job? Why is it that I can't keep a marriage working and it just winds up in the same place that it ended, ended up the last time? And at some point along the way, all of us have to come to this realization. We have to ask ourselves this question. What is the common denominator in all of those situations and scenarios? It's me. It's you. We are the common denominator. And the problem is we all walk around thinking that we can continue to think the same faulty, faulty beliefs, believe the same faulty things, and just make different decisions, and we'll get different outcomes in life. And it's just not true. Because it's not just about your decisions. It's not about my decisions. It's about the faulty beliefs that lead us to make those decisions. And until you change those, until you and I get some better thoughts, you just keep coming back to the same outcomes in life. So... Each week in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to expose a faulty belief that a lot of us walk around with and carry in our hearts, and we're going to expose that, and we're going to try to replace it with a better thought. And that idea comes straight from the Bible, and the Bible says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. In other words, don't just do things like everybody else does them. Don't just conform, don't just blend in, don't just go to get along and fit in with everybody else. Well, how do I do that? Well, it tells us. Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. See, you just need better thoughts. I need to think better thoughts. We need to change our mind. Now today, I want to start by talking to you a little bit more about decision making. Now, let me ask a question, and you can just answer this for yourself. How many of you would say you've made a dumb decision sometime in your life? 
You spent money you shouldn't have spent. You got into a relationship you shouldn't have gotten into. Uh, you went on a date you wished you'd never gone, into, gone on. You, you got into a partnership you wished you'd never gotten into. You said words you wish you'd never said. In fact, why don't we just raise our hand? How many of you would say, I've made a dumb decision like that in my life? Now, if there's somebody sitting near you who's not raising their hand, you can just know they just made a dumb decision because they just lied to a preacher. So that clears that up, right? Now, here's the other thing. When you look back on those uh, dumb decisions that you now call them, isn't it true that at the time you made that decision, the time I made the decision, we all thought they were the right decisions? Not all of them, but most of them. I mean, if we're all honest, we would say, you know, I was positive that that decision was going to lead me to success, or that decision was going to bring me joy, that was going to make me happy or bring me contentment or make me a successful person. You know, this relationship you were so sure was going to be great, this financial decision you knew was the right thing to do. And at some point along the way, when you've got done making that decision, and then you experience the outcome of that decision, at some point, didn't you look back and you go, Oh, I was wrong. Anybody else ever had that experience besides me? Yeah. Or, or look at it from this angle. Ever had a situation where you knew the decision was the right one, but just before you were about to make that decision, something or someone stopped you. He left you at the altar, or she broke up with you, or the money didn't come through in time, and you weren't able to make the deal. And at that moment when that happened to you, and you got stopped from making that decision, Weren't you mad? Weren't you so frustrated? Or maybe you were just brokenhearted over what happened? In fact, you may have even gotten mad at God. But six months passed, a year later, maybe three years later, you look back on that moment that you were so frustrated and so mad, and you're now saying, man, I'm so glad that didn't happen. <laughs> I'm so glad it didn't work out the way I thought it, it, it should have worked out. Because that would have been a huge mistake had I made that decision. Anybody ever had that experience? I know I have. Now, for everybody who just raised your hand and agreed with me on this, can, can I just remind you of something? You know what you just admitted to me in front of everybody? You just admitted that sometimes, in fact, maybe many times in your life, and I've admitted that many times in my life, we don't know what's best for us? I mean, can we all just admit that right now? That even though sometimes we've trusted our hearts, trusted our guts, trusted our in intuitions, we've anticipated all the what-ifs, we plan for all the possibilities, we talk it through in our heads, and if you're a church person, we even prayed about it. Can we all just admit that even when that's true, we still make bad decisions? That our heart, our gut, our feelings can lead us to be off track? Now, maybe you're still a little bit skeptical. So, can I just give you another way to look at this? I want you to think for a second about someone that you love, who you watched make a decision, and they were absolutely sure that, that they were making the right decision, but you were absolutely sure that it was going to be a disaster. You could see it clear as day. They are screwing up. They are about to mess their life up. And they couldn't see it. They were so convinced, this is what I need. This is right. I feel it. This is a good thing. And then in the end, you turned out to be right. It was a disaster. It was a mistake. And even while it was happening, 
you, you went to them and you said, hey, look, I care about you and, and I, I see what you're about to do and I think that's a bad call. Maybe you ought to think about something else and, and you ought to look at making a different decision or that's a bad call or whatever. And they looked right back at you and they said, hey, look, I appreciate your concern and I know you care about me and I know you want to help me. And you know what you're saying? It's probably good for everybody else you know. But I'm different. This is a different situation. See, I know more about it than you do and, and I know what's best for me. So thanks for your concern, but I'm going to go with what I believe. I'm going to go with what I think is best for me. You ever had that experience? Well, here's my point. If that can be true for other people, that they can't always see what's best for them and you can see what's best for them and you are outside of their situation, isn't it possible that the same can be true for you, that you don't always know what's best for you and you're not able to see it and other people, someone outside of you, can see it more clearly than you? See, this is why this is so important. Because there's often a big gap between making a decision and feeling the outcomes of our decisions. See, sometimes it takes years for us to feel it, maybe even an entire season of life. I mean, you know this is true. You can make a decision when you're 16, and you think it's the right decision, and it feels right to you, and then you pay for that decision, and you feel the, uh, the consequences when you're 20 and in your 30s, and sometimes even farther into your life, even, even a whole season of your life, and it's one decision that you made when you were just a young kid. I mean, we all know that that's true. And you wind up spending a season of your life paying for something that you were just so sure of that you were wrong about. See, this is why we need better thoughts. Better thoughts than this. I know what's best for me. I know what feels right. I'm different. I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to go with my gut. We need a better thought to inform our decision making. And today I want to suggest to you this as a better thought. God always knows what's best for me. See, I don't always know what's best for me, but God always does know what's best for me. If you were around here last summer, we actually talked about this a little bit in our summer series on the book of James. But today, I want to come at it from a different angle. And I want you to think about it this way. If you really did believe that truth, that thought, that God knows what's best for you, and that was really what you believe way down deep in your soul, in every situation, if you really believed that, then who do you think you'd be listening to? Who do you think you'd tune into? Who do you think you would care what their opinion was? Well, It'd be God. And imagine if you believed that God had revealed himself and what he wanted for your life, and you could know it. Don't you think you'd tune in? Don't you think you'd listen? And what do you think it would do for the outcomes of your life? How would it impact them? But here's the problem. We run into the other side of that truth, that God knows what's best for me. See, God knows what's best for me. That means he knows better than I know what's best for me. And see, that's where the rub is, isn't it? That's where we, we get, that's where it gets tough. Because we think, well, okay, maybe God has some advice for my life, and, and, and he wants me to listen to him, and, and then I can take what I know in my situation, and I can add God's wisdom to it. But see, let's not forget, we all just raised our hands. We all just admitted right in front of everybody that most of the time in my life, I've not known exactly what's best for me, and I wasn't even able to see what was best for me because I don't know what's best for me. Think about it. You don't know what's best for you when it comes to what makes you happy and what makes you fulfilled because we prove that by the way we live our lives. 
But here's my suggestion. The God who created you, the God who made the sun and the moon and the universe that you live in, the God who put more information inside one of your cells than the most powerful computer, the one who watches over you and knows your life from start to finish, he knows what's best for you. That's, I just think that's a better thought. And I think if we lived with that better thought, it would change the outcomes of our lives. So today, I want us to dig down into two verses from your Bible, from a book called Proverbs. You may be familiar with the book of Proverbs. It's in the older part of the Bible, and it's a book that's just filled with these one or two line sayings that are just, just filled with wisdom. And these are two verses that you're going to maybe even recognize, but you're going to be able to memorize them. They're so simple, and you could carry these with you in your head wherever you go. But that's not the most interesting part of what we're going to read. To me, the most interesting part of these verses is who wrote them. See, the author of this part of uh, Proverbs is a guy named Solomon. You may have heard of Solomon, but Solomon was a king in, in, in the ancient world. And, and Solomon was considered probably the wisest, most powerful, richest man of his day. In fact, many people still say with inflation, he probably continues to be one of the most wealthiest, powerful men uh, who ever lived. And Solomon, he, he wrote this, uh, this book with all these wise sayings in it. And at the time, he was, he was giving advice to kings all in his region. All these other kings from all these other nations would come to Solomon for advice. If there was ever a guy who could look at his life and say, you know what, I think I got this. I think I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty sharp. There's a lot of people that listen to what I say and, and, and follow my advice, and it's really good advice. Solomon was the guy who could say that. If there was ever a person to say, you know what, I think I, I can handle my own life, it's Solomon. But this wise, powerful man wrote these words, and in essence, he says the opposite. Let's read it together. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Solomon says, look, don't trust your heart. Trust God with your heart. Because, see, sometimes you're right. Sometimes I'm right. But a lot of times, we're wrong. So you're just better off, Solomon would say, not trusting your heart because your heart will always change on you. I mean, think about it. Your heart has told you so many different things. You, you can't even imagine, right? I mean, today your heart will say, he's the one. And then three weeks later, your heart will tell you, he's the devil. And then a month after that, your heart's going to say, well, maybe he's not so bad. And then next weekend, your heart's going to say, you need to dump him. See, Solomon says, look, don't, don't trust your heart because your heart is just, it's, it's all over the place. And you will, you'll think you know what's best in the moment, but you can't trust your heart because Solomon will say, trusting your heart's like trying to hit a moving target. You're not going to be able to hit that very consistently. So you need to trust your heart to God. Now look at the next part of that verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Notice those words, trust and lean. They're being used interchangeably. They're the same thing. He says, stop leaning just on what you know or what you think is best. And now, be, to be clear, what he isn't saying is, hey, look, you'll never be able to understand things and it won't make sense and you can't even ask God why. That's not what he means. He's saying, look, when it comes down to your way or your reasoning about things and then God's opinion... God's opinion ought to win every time. When it's like, look, I, I think I know how relationships work. 
or I think this is how finances ought to be done, or I think this is just the way life ought to be lived. And when those thoughts that you and I have come into conflict with God's commandments, Solomon's saying, look, God's commands ought to trump your reasoning every single time. Now, that may sound offensive to some of you, but the truth is you know what this is like. I mean, we all are familiar with this way of living. I'll give you an example. Remember when you were a kid and you would argue with your parents when you were little? And basically arguing with your parents is basically you sitting in front of your parents and then giving them your list of reasons, your thinking on something to try and overrule what they think. And then you give all your reasons and all your thinking and everything that you can come up with and you spout it all out and your mom or your dad looks right back at you and they go, okay, no. And then their no always trumped your reasoning. That's what this is. It's like when you'd say to your, your mom, look, mom, I know I got this test. It's coming up in first period tomorrow, and I know you want me to go to bed early so that I can take the test, but you just need to know something about the way my brain works. See, when my brain shuts down, it takes a long time to get it ramped back up again. So if I can shorten the amount of time that my brain shuts down and my brain starts back up again, then I'll be fresher for the test. So what I need to do is I need to stay up late so that I can get closer to the time when I take the test and keep my brain active so that I can wake up in, early in the morning and I can have my brain... Uh, fresh and I can take the test and your mom would look at you and go that's really interesting theory now go to bed <laughs> her no always trumped your reasoning that's what Solomon is saying he's saying look when you're willing to embrace this truth that God knows what's best for me then what you're going to do is you're going to run all your decisions through what does God think and whenever your reasoning comes into conflict with what God thinks in his, and what he says in his word, it's a no-brainer. God wins every time. End of discussion. I will not lean on my own understanding. I will not trust my heart. I will trust my heart to God because ultimately I believe he knows what's best for me better than I know what's best for me. And that then leads me to a different kind of decision-making, which leads me to different outcomes with different results in my life. Now look at the next part of that verse. It says, in all your ways, submit to him, to God. See, that word ways, it basically means the arenas of your life. Your ways, my ways, are just the ways that we think we should do finances or marriage or deal with friends or do our uh, conflict resolution or ethics or parenting or whatever it is. Those ways that I do things, that's my ways. And he says, look, you just need to submit those to your heavenly father and put him as the leader of all of those areas of your life. It's where you say, you know what, God, this is the way I was raised and this is how my parents taught me to do family and this is what I feel like is right, but God, what do you have to say about parenting? God, I know that uh, this was the way finances were always modeled to me when I was growing up and this is the way my mom and dad saved and spent money, but I feel that that's the right way, but... I want to know what you think. God, what do you say about my finances? Or God, this is the way that I feel like my marriage ought to be done. And, and this is what I think and what I've been taught. But I'd like to know, God, what's your opinion on that? What would you say about that thing? Or God, this is what I'm thinking about taking this next step in our relationship. Our, we've been dating for a little while and I feel like I want to go this direction. But God, first, I want to know what you think. God, my friends tell me that I should just go ahead and move in. But God, what do you say? In all your ways, all the arenas of your life, you just submit those to God. You take your human reasoning, 
your thoughts, the trends of the culture that's all around you, and you bring it all under the submission of God. And you just say, God, I acknowledge you do have the right to say something to me in my life, and I'm going to go with whatever you think, no matter what anybody else thinks about what you say. I submit to you in every area of life because I believe that you know what's best for me better than I know what's best for me. In all your ways, submit to him. And then there's a promise. Here it is. And he, God, will make your paths straight. That word paths, when the Hebrew writer used it in the Bible, it just means lifestyle. It means the way you live your life or you're just your entire life. It's saying he will make your lifestyle straight. And that word straight, you know what that word means? It means blessed. So what Solomon is saying here, he says, if you'll submit your ways of living to God and you'll make your decisions based on his, uh, his instructions, then here's what God promises to do. He will bring you to pleasant outcomes. He will make your lifestyle good and blessed. That's the promise attached to it. And notice what's, what, what, what this is not saying. It's not saying that this happens because you make great decisions or you're so smart. Or you've got it all figured out. No, in fact, it's the opposite. And that's good news for, for, for me, at least. Because it begins when I acknowledge, God, you're God and I'm not. And when I'm willing to admit, even when I don't understand it all, I just believe it down to the core of who I am. God knows what's best for me better than I know what's best for me. So I'm just going to take all my decisions and I'm going to base them on that belief. And I'm going to stop trusting in my heart. God says, you do that, and in the process of doing that, I'll make your path straight. I'll make the outcomes of your life blessed. I'll make your life what you dreamed it would be. In most cases, I'll make it different and even better than what you dreamed it would be because your heavenly Father is now taking control, and he's taking responsibility for the outcomes of your life. Now, you've probably heard me say this before, but I just believe it. If you were to go back to that time in your life, that season in your life, when you made that decision that you now regret or that thing that you wished you could have done differently or that season where you kind of suffered for the consequences of the decision you thought was right, if you were able to go back and when you and I could go to a time machine and we all went to that moment and we were able to say, you know what, I'm going to change the way I think and this time I'm going to think this better thought. God knows what's best for me better than I do and I'm going to submit my ways to him. I guarantee you almost every single one of us would say, I would not have lived the part of my life that I did the way that I did. I wouldn't have suffered the consequences the way that I did. doesn't mean that God can't redeem all the bad decisions that we make. He certainly does. But at least I would not have suffered the way I did, and the people around me wouldn't have suffered, and we would not have been through what we've been through. Some of the greatest regrets in our lives could have been avoided had we just believed that God knows what's best for me better than I do. Now, you want me to tell you the most ironic parts of these verses? What I think is even greater lesson than the actual words of these verses? It's the man who wrote them, Solomon, that I was telling you about earlier. Because, see, as smart as Solomon was and as powerful as he was, did you know there was at least one area of his life where he just didn't take his own advice, not even close, and it actually wound up ruining him? See, God had come along long before Solomon was king, and he had given the nation his law. And he had said to Solomon and everybody in his nation, he's saying, look, here's what I want you to know. When it comes time for you to choose a spouse, 
And by the way, I want you to just choose one wife, Solomon. But when you go about choosing a wife, you need to make sure that every time you, 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 you decide who you want to marry, when you, when you come to that decision point, you need to make sure that she holds the same values that you do. She needs to have the same faith in God that you do. And he even gave Solomon the reason. He said, because the reason is, if you marry someone who doesn't have the same faith or values as you do, she's going to pull your heart in a different direction. If her ways are not submitted to my ways then eventually your ways won't be submitted to my ways, and she'll have an influence on your life. So don't do that. So just take one wife and make sure that she shares your faith. That's it. And then Solomon one day, he's sitting in his palace. He's become king now, and he knows this law. He knows this guideline that God gave him. And he starts to think to himself, you know that thing that God said about picking out a wife? That's really good advice for most people. But I'm not most people. I'm the king, and I'm, I'm really, really sharp. And I think I can handle having a wife who doesn't share my faith or my values. In fact, I think I can handle more than one. And the reason is because that's what every other king is doing in my culture and in my day. In fact, that's the way they would do it in that day. They would marry lots of different women from lots of different countries. They'd make treaties and alliances at the, at the royalty level, you know, so that they could protect their people and make all these, uh, those, all these agreements between countries. It was actually a part of protecting the people and making the nation strong. So Solomon says, so thanks God for the advice, but I'm different, and I got this one. And by the time Solomon was done, Solomon hadn't just married one wife or two or ten or a hundred. Solomon married 700 wives. Now, you think you got problems? Solomon had 700 mother-in-laws. That's all I'm saying. So... But here's the thing. Solomon had very good reasons why he did what he did. He had good motives. He was trying to do the right thing. He made decisions just like you make decisions in the way I make decisions. He knew what God had said, but Solomon, he just had better reasons why he knew better than God in his life. I mean, again, he said, I'm building relationships with nations. I'm forming alliances. I'm keeping God safe. I'm making God's nation great again. And, and he does all of this stuff because he thinks he's leading and serving his people the way everybody's supposed to lead and serve their people. And he's different, remember? He's sharper than everybody else. And he thinks to himself, I'm Solomon. This won't happen to me. My wives won't turn my heart away from God. I know better than that. So, I, God, I hear what you're saying, but I've got this. And I don't even need to tell you where Solomon's story ends up because you see where this is going. Again, because you can always see this in somebody else's life before you can see it. In your own. Solomon decided he was going to lean on his own understanding. And Solomon's heart became influenced by his wives. He turned his heart away from God. And as a result of that, the nation, God's nation, became splintered. People's devotions went in different directions because that's where the king was. And eventually the nation was split in two. It was a civil war. Thousands of people got involved. Thousands of people died. And Solomon's legacy, at the end of it all, Solomon's legacy was a divided nation that wound up getting conquered by another nation and enslaved. And what's interesting is the one thing that Solomon was trying to avoid wound up happening anyway because Solomon made his own decisions. 
So here's the question. What do you believe? And I don't mean what do you believe in your head, and I don't mean what you believe by what you say you believe. Here's what I mean. On what belief system are you basing all your decisions? Are you at a place where you truly have recognized, I don't know what's best for me. God knows what's best for me. And maybe you say, but I'm not a Jesus follower. I'm, I'm not one of those church people. Maybe, I don't think this applies to me. And listen, I'm not even talking about that part of your life yet. This is a step in that direction. But have you at least come to the place where you would say, you know what? I don't get it right all the time. And maybe there's somebody outside of me that knows better than me. And maybe, maybe that person could be God. But if you are a Jesus follower... And you believe what I believe, that the, the God of the universe has spoken to us and revealed himself to us in the pages of Scripture. Have you resolved that whether you understand it or not, whether you even agree with it or not, that you believe that he knows what's best for your life? And whenever your reasoning or your heart or your thinking or whatever, your understanding conflicts with God's word, his word wins every single time. And whenever you find yourself, like many of us do, we get in that cycle of thinking, but I'm different and this is different and you don't understand and I can handle this. Are you willing to stop and say, you know what, God, your will trumps my reasoning? Are you there yet? Because listen, if you're not there, I'm telling you, you are right where Solomon was. He thought he was smarter than God and look what it cost him. And you are also headed towards some pretty predictable outcomes because remember, we all sat here and raised our hands, and we all admitted that at least a few times, if not a, a lot of times in our lives, we don't know what's best for us, and it has cost us something in our lives. So listen, if you, just, if you want to live a life where your lifestyle is blessed, where your outcomes can be straight, you need to start with a better thought, and it's this. God knows what's best for me better than I know what's best for me, and consequently, therefore, here's what it means. Here's what that means. I will submit my thinking, I will submit my reasoning to his truth for my life. I will stop following my heart. You just come to the place where you say, God, even when I don't understand it, I, I'm going to trust you till I do. <laughs> I'll trust you until I do understand it. See, that's what it means to not lean on your own understanding, to submit your ways to your heavenly father, because it's usually not until we experience the outcome that we finally look back on it and we go, oh, see, now I know why God said that. We don't get that usually until the outcomes. So are you willing to trust God now before you get to that place, even when you don't understand it? You'll just keep trusting him until you do? Because, see, I know many of you in a room this size, there are some of you right in the middle of decision-making. You've got a decision to make right now, and you're already starting to think, I got this. Here's why I'm moving in, or here's why I'm leaving, or I've, I've thought about this. I've even prayed about it. I've got it all worked out in my head. But come on, in the back of your mind, there's that thing. There's that small little voice saying, hold on, stop. Maybe there's a person in your life, someone who loves you a lot, someone who cares about you, and they've even come to you and they've said, hey, come on now, think about this. Slow down. And see... Many of us, we're just afraid to slow down because if we slow down, we're afraid that that voice, that person's voice will get louder and we'll have to start listening to them. And the truth, the truth is, we don't want to slow down and consider it because it may mean that we don't get to do what we want to do. That's the reason many of us don't listen. 
But are you willing to do that? Are you willing to just stop for a minute and say, okay, what is that voice? Why is that person saying this to me? And not be afraid to turn it off? See, you have to make a decision. Are you going to trust what you think is best for you? Are you going to have the courage to wait? Will you say, God, are you in this thing? Is what my friend or my family member telling me is true? God, are you trying to speak to me? And if so, I won't move. I will stop and I'll wait until I know what it is that you want me to do because I believe you have a better ability to bless my life than I have to bless my own life because you know what's best for me. And you may not even believe the whole Bible thing or Christianity or God thing yet. That's fine. But I think you're at least smart enough to know that if there is a God, he might be able to see more what's coming in front of you, what's around the next corner, than you can see. And you can just say, as best as you understand him, God, would you just make your will clear to me if, if you want me to do something different? And then you just commit, I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do. Well, as we wrap this up today, we want to leave you with something. We're going to leave you with... Uh, with a better thought. And we want this thought to get way deep down in your heart and your soul. In fact, each and every week in this series, we're going to try and do something like this. Because see, here's the thing. I, I know that I'm not so eloquent and smart and, 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 and powerful that one 30-minute talk is going to just embed this better thought into your mind. It's going to take a daily practice of meditating on that thought and thinking it over and over again. So each week, we're going to give you a tool, something that you can take with you that'll help you daily think on these truths. And today, the one that we want to get into your heart and mind is this. I don't know, know what's best for me, but God always does. So I've asked the band at all of our campuses to come on up and to begin to get ready, and they're going to teach us a brand new song that comes right out of these verses from Proverbs that we just looked at, to not lean on our own understanding, but to trust our decisions to God. Now, this song, before we sing it, I just warn you, it's really simple. And it's really repetitive. And it's one of those songs that you're going to get stuck in your head. And some of you are going to hate me for that when this is over. But it's a song that you need stuck in your head. It's one of those you need to be going around, I need to be going around every day singing over and over again just to remind us of this truth. But it's a great, great song. And I want to just remind you of a couple of lines and point them out to you before we go into it. This is like a prayer to God. And one of the lines in the, in the song says this. It says, I give everything to you, and I'm trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. Because you, you may not know how it's going to turn out whenever you trust God with your decisions. But you can know that God is continually doing something for your good. And sometimes what he's doing is he's doing something good in me. He's changing me. He's making me into something wonderful and something beautiful. There's another phrase toward the end of this song. It's one of the repetitive phrases, and it's so powerful. It says this. It says, I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. There's nothing I hold on to. It's this poetic image that talks about how many of us, we stand in front of a large mountain, you know, like a, a decision or something that we feel like we can't face. And it's almost like we're holding on the edge of a cliff trying to climb over this thing, and we're holding so tight, and we think the answer is to just grip tighter and to get more control so that I can climb it on my own. And this image basically says, no, you got to open up your hands. you got to reach up and let go of control. 
the one who knows best for you. It's almost like a child who raises their arms up to a parent and just says, Mom, Dad, just, just pick me up. Take me wherever you, it is you want me to go. Because, see, I don't know what your decision is. I don't know what your mountain might be. It could be something with your marriage or with your kids or with your finances, an addiction, a relationship, whatever it might be. Maybe it's just for you to actually begin to trust Jesus for the very first time and to follow him. And you're so scared and you think gripping hold of that side of that cliff is the best thing for you to do. But this song is going to remind us that the only way to climb that impossible mountain that we face is not grasping for more control. It's just to reach up and to let go. So today, I want you to sing this song. I want, you to, I want to invite you that whenever you can, you can begin to learn the words, start singing. Start joining in with our band. And as you sing, remember this promise that it reminds us of. It's the promise between you and God that I can trust him, whatever decision, whatever mountain that I face. And it's our prayer that this song is going to lead you all throughout your week. And you're going to be able to remember that truth. And for those of you that want to take it with you this week, I put a link in the sermon notes online today, that website you've been seeing that where our, our sermon notes are. You can go there and click that link, and you can have it with you all week long. But right now I want you to learn this song and embed this truth down in your heart. I don't know what's best for me, but God, you always know what's best for me. So right now, let's all stand together and let's sing.